Hi, I'm Jamie, and I am the creator of One World, Your Story, where we bring people together. And right now, we need this more than ever. The murder of George Floyd, the latest of countless Black Americans to be murdered at the hands of police in America, has set off a chain reaction across the United States. People are angry, people are hurt, and rightfully so. We cannot stand by and allow this to continue any longer. It's time to use our voices and bring this conversation out into the open for good. So join us for this episode of The Floyd Files. And it's hard and it's really hard because people could stop being friends with you. People could be like, fuck off. And just, you could say everything that's perfectly right. But one thing you disagree on, people will just throw away everything that you ever stood for, you know? And, it, and, and it's really hard to disagree with your family. And it's really hard to let your friends down. But at the end of the day, just come from a place of love and honesty. And that's, that's like the perfect way to get through it. Well, Harry, before we get started, so anyone that's joining us, my name is Jamie. Um, I'm sure you all are familiar with me um, at this point, but if you are not, I am the creator of One World Your Story podcast and here live now with Kay or the Rainbow Prince. We'll <laughs> let you give yourself a proper introduction and my partner, Harry, who is behind the scenes on all these podcasts. Um, so before I start, while I'm still sending stuff off on the back end, Harry, since you're on here, are there any questions that you might want to ask Kay live or anything <laughs> sure. like that just to get us started? I, I mean, know you, you two were the ones that found each other originally. So. Well, let me just tell the story, I guess. Um, I think that'll set the scene a little bit. Um, sure. I was just browsing Instagram like you do, uh, and I was following this really funny page. It's called DMT World. It's all about um, <laughs> psychedelics and uh, memes about that. And I saw this. this Why were you following picture. that page, Harry? Well, just for you know, <laughs> personal research, uh, medical research. Really. Uh, so I saw this amazing picture of the Rainbow Prince uh, with this sign that said, Cops Need LSD. Huge picture in the middle of a Black Lives Matter protest. And I was just like, wow, that is so cool. Click through. I saw your speech um, there at the protest in Nottingham. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that was that was super cool. And then this photo started popping up. It popped up on a bunch of other pages, including, um, I mentioned in the bio, but Alex Gray, who's like the legendary psychedelic artist behind all tools, art, and uh, album covers. So that sign is going around. So do you want to yes, talk about like uh, what inspired that and like how has it been to get this kind of attention? Um, it's, it's definitely been... Um amazing first off you know not only to get my uh my art out there but just actually have a a picture of the person behind it as well you know i've done a uh, graffiti like most of my life and usually when you do the graffiti you sort of like if you have a lot of graffiti you you talk like you don't have an ego but you sort of do but most of the um the face of the graffiti is just the art you know what i mean so it was cool to people actually know who i am and see my page and actually see like the lifestyle i live you know but um the feedback has been amazing i love it alex gray he's been like the the god for me since i was like first starting to do art you know so get recognized by that not only by that but like to get the message out into the world about um cops needing lsd and a lot of people messaged me a lot of people hit me up and a lot of people had questions about it and what i realized is people wanted to be this super deep like super like um thought thoughtful idea that I put onto a sign and it's not even that deep at all you know it's just cops really just need LSD you know and I use it as like an uh, umbrella term of people needing some sort of inward consciousness whether it could be there it could be therapy that could be like the LSD cops need therapy cops need weed cops need a vacation you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> cops need to talk to somebody you know I just used LSD as like an umbrella term for a way to go inward. inward. Yeah, exactly. And think, think other, think about what they're doing and think about the consciousness, think of the gang they're a part of, you know, and it's, and it's really hard too, for some people to um, see that because they're like, and I understand also as well, because psychedelics isn't for everybody. Psychedelic can cause, 
can trigger schizophrenia, um, cause psychosis and these things. But I also feel like even though I don't like all cops, I don't believe there's a good cop. I feel like there's good people. You know what I mean? And I know there's mm. good people that I joined that gang and they have to do the they have to do the work. Like I said, there's no there's no such thing as a good cop because if a good Nazi wants to join the Nazis, he has to do Nazi work. You know? <laughs> I feel like I've seen you write that recently. Yeah, I said that in my speech and I, I live I live by that. But I also feel like the cops need L S D thing is is pretty much just something that you, you it's a cult, sort of like clickbait. You know what I mean? You see it. Totally. And to, yeah, you see it and you're like, oh shit, like why do they need why do they need LSD? And then maybe you'll start looking into LSD. You, you know, in um the 60s, I think during the Vietnam War, the British got um was given LSD while they're in the war. And uh they ended up laughing. They ended up just climbing trees. They ended up questioning themselves why are they fighting a war and Americans as well. So even just that, even just in a war, you give them in a situation where they're in the field and they're taking this and they're, re they're questioning everything. So if you can give that to someone during a war, maybe you can give it to somebody who ends up going home or has to leave and can't handle the pressure and has to go take some time to himself. Maybe that could change his life. I mean, if they were giving it during that war, think about the time that we're going through now, needing yeah. some sort of introspection or radical thinking. So... Okay, already there's so much juicy stuff to dig into. So much um, to dig into. Okay, I'm going to sign off. Uh, Rainbow Prince, I've seen that video of the British soldiers on LSD. I'm going to make sure we share <laughs> that along the side of this because that is so okay. funny. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to you guys' chat. So thanks for cool. being here. Thank you. And, nice uh, meeting signing you. Off. I'll be watching live here. Okay. Thanks, Harry. Peace. Okay, Kay. So before Harry jumped on and we were chatting – and how we typically start these is let's do an introduction because I mean, you're in the UK right now, across the yeah. pond, as they would say. <laughs> I really butchered that accent up bad. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> um, but you're originally from California, right? Yeah. So, um, where, yeah, tell us a little bit about yeah. you and where you're from. Yeah. So, my parents are from Eritrea in East Africa, and uh, they were both grew up in the war fought in the war and eventually they made it into um, America. They escaped the war to Sudan, made Saudi Arabia. From there, my mom worked for a while and my dad was in the States and he was a journalist. My father's also in jail for eight years for journalism, like political journalism. And they killed his best, they killed his cousin and he was in jail. So my, both my parents just grew up in the war and like rebelling, you know what I mean? And as an Eritrean, Everyone just grew up in the war and grew up fighting. People are still fighting right now. So this is just like no, pretty much just in my blood, you know? So okay. after it's, I really hope, by the way, that there's this guy, Sam, that is watching you live because Sam I spoke to last week. He's from Eritrea. Um, oh, and I nice. spoke with his son also. We had dinner last night. And I was telling him about you, but not that you were from Eritrea because I didn't know. So, oh, uh, so I love that. So I've uh, ironically been learning a lot about it. And yeah, I know the, the, the war and the struggle. I mean, of yeah, course, it's, it's, still. It's nope. they, they call, they call it Eritrea the uh, South Korea or the North Korea of Africa. Damn, I haven't heard that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. Have you been? Yeah, I've been three times. I went once in 96, another time in um, 2003, and the recent time, 2015. So I went when I was a kid, teenager, and adult. So it was like, I, I've seen it from different angles each time, you know? And you said both your parents are from there. Did I get both that right? Both my parents, yeah. Okay. Now, so you kind of like, I mean, I, I actually, I'm not going to assume anything. I mean... What was it like growing up with parents that were, could we call, would you call your mom an activist as well as your dad? Yeah, definitely. Especially my father, because he got put to jail for what he's, what he was doing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. You were a journalist, political journalist. Can you, can, is this something that you can talk about? Publicly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, there's not really, I can talk more about my father because so when um, both of my parents came to America, we were, I was born in Boston, in the East Coast, and about a year later, moved to Oakland. And um, about two years later, my father actually got shot and murdered. So I really don't know much about my father. 
I know like about it, a little bit about his history, but um, I don't have information like as where I can ask him or anything like that because you said family, that in your speech too. Okay, yeah, I remember. Family, I'm sorry, um, I forgot. Yeah, so but I was born in in um, Boston, came to Oakland, and then moved to this town called Alameda, small beach town by the water, and it's. I love it more than anywhere. Like, <laughs> I love I love where I'm from. I love it so much. But yeah, that's where I'm from. I'm from Alameda, small beach town in the Bay Area, um, pretty much San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And that ties in a lot to uh, with my lifestyle. You know, like that's where the hippie movement began. That's where the Black Panthers began. Um, so yeah, that's that's a big part of me. Okay. Well, you just mentioned two things because, I mean, there's a lot of directions you could have gone in San Francisco shaping you. I mean, there's a lot of different pockets of culture and things that people (laughs) can get into. If there was ever a place to find, I feel like, oh, I want to explore this. You could probably find it in San Francisco. (laughs) It could be anything. Um, So for you, it was specifically Black Panther movement and this hippie movement that you're talking about. Um, Yeah what about them and which shaped you more is there one that has shaped you more um, and they kind of well, this simultaneous impacts yeah, well, um, on your I life feel like, oh i grew up in uh, one of the biggest housing projects in california and it was just a lot of poverty there you know what i mean and it was predominantly black colored people pretty much there was a lot of uh, white people in the town i grew up in but that apartment those projects was pretty much people of color and there you never really when it like when it came to like psychedelics and the hippie culture and things like that of course we were like really introduced to it because that was the whole culture out there but when it came to the black panthers that's something that we're just automatically brought into because it was just us as black people rebelling and having to like stay protected and to have each other's backs and have to learn what we had to go through back in the day you know what i mean and even in school, when they taught us, when certain people taught us about the Black Panthers, they taught us that you still need to use these these tactics that they use because this is still happening. You know what I mean? So it was always taught that you had to have like your friends back, you had to have your brothers back, you had to have your sisters back. And that whole place, the Bay Area is completely different. It made me think of white people here in Europe, completely different. Like, I don't really like the term woke, but white people in California or in the Bay Area are so fucking, can I, can I cuss? You can say whatever you want as long as you're respectful. So yeah, you can cuss. Yes, people are so fucking woke in in um, the white people in California in the Bay Area, and here I don't feel like they really are. They haven't been really educated on that, you know. So I actually I I might know a little bit, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that don't know. And it's interesting that you're bringing this up because yesterday I spoke with a guy who is a Nigerian lives there we were talking about race and racism from his perspective and really like really getting hit hard with like this is racism is not an american issue it looks really different in america but it's happening globally and it's been happening since the history of history right like he was saying in nigeria for example like the president of the country there were some jobs that that did open I, i can't remember when but literally was saying, oh, and by the way, it's the largest percentage of black people like in a country in the world is Nigeria, like, like 95% yeah. black or something. The, the president saying, oh, if a white person applies, they're going to get first access to the job. So he was saying, well, if we don't love ourselves, how mm-hmm. is anybody else going? So you're talking about what things look like in the UK and saying that in California, people are more woke. Well, what is the difference? What are you talking about when you say that? Well, I feel like um, out there, especially in this, I can really only speak from the San Francisco Bay Area where I'm from, uh, people are taught, people are, are growing up in um, protesting. People are growing up um, with their parents coming from the hippie movement, you know, or their grandparents coming from that, have friends, like really close friends that their parents were a part of that movement. And when it comes to over here, I feel like people think because it's not as bad as it is in America, and they don't see cops and like KKK and things like that, that it isn't as bad here. That's, that's just sim- that's as, as simple as it can. That's, that's what I usually see here. And the racism here is sort of different as well. People do like black fishing is really big here. Like it's huge. Black fishing where people like uh, 
sort of do like the extra dark tan. Um, they do everything they can to look black, but don't want to appreciate the black culture, but they appropriate the black culture. Have you heard of uh, black? You haven't heard of black fishing? No, I have not heard of black fishing. I mean, I know about uh, yeah, cultural yeah. appropriation, but. Yeah, you. I bet a lot of people who are watching, if there's a lot of people watching, they know about black fishing. And it's uh, something that's really been going on here in the UK and people have been getting called out about it. Influencers getting called out about it, um, getting like their lips uh, pumped, um, getting like the uh, tan injections, um, pretty much doing everything to appropriate black culture, but don't want to appreciate black culture or give respect to the black culture. Damn. I mean, I've been talking about this recently with a musician um, where we were talking like, yeah, we can adopt the culture, but not the people. What the fuck is that? But it's mm -hmm. interesting. You're talking about tanning and like looking darker. I, I find that to be really interesting because there is a whole movement about bleaching your skin and trying to look whiter yeah. and actually anti-blackness. I had that experience when I was in Jamaica. We're um, going uh, snorkeling and I was with my friend and his family, his, his mom is white or they're white, they're all white and they're all putting um, sunscreen on and things like that. And then the instructor, he was like, he was saying something like, you guys like getting tanned so much. And then they were like, yeah, we want to get darker. And he was like, oh, I wish I could be your skin color. And it was my first time ever hearing that because I've watched documentaries about people in Jamaica bleaching their skin, people in West Africa doing that, but I've never heard it like or seen it firsthand. And it was it was pretty sad, like just seeing someone not love their color or their probably love where they're from, but not really like their color. And and that happens a lot in the Caribbean as well, like other countries, like uh, Dominican Republic. Like a lot of those people don't want to claim that they're black. Like they say they're no, we're not black and they have like problem against black. Even in Africa, North Africa, Morocco and places like that where people are like a lot lighter. They're super racist against the dark Africans. So it's just, it's, it's sad. It's just like, it's really sad. It's really sad. And for a lot of reasons. And I'm like, okay. So because the talk now in the US, there's a lot of talk, um, but one of the topics is complete deconstruction right um get rid of the current systems that we have and build new ones or at least defund and you know okay and, and in my head i'm like great because i know if we were to get all the white people in this country to love black people or for us to all like each other in general that actually won't solve why these issues keep going and going because yeah, it's, yeah. System. It's, it's, it's not it's not within the people it's within the laws right you know but, I mean? but now you're saying all this other stuff about people like wanting to bleach their skin. So it's like, okay, well, if we do solve the systems, then all of that still really exists and not just mm -hmm. within Americans, within people all over the world. So how do we, yeah. where does it actually start? Where do we, yeah, you know, well, that's, that's, that's what it comes. Um, I feel like that's where we get the LSD. Like that's where that comes into exactly. play. Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to go into. It all comes, <laughs> comes down to looking inward and loving yourself. You know what I mean? And learning more about yourself. I feel like I'm an advocate for psychedelics, not because I like doing drugs and all that, because I like to I like to talk to people and tell them that there's a tool that can help you love yourself more. You know what I mean? And that's really that's why I'm really an advocate for it. And it's because there's so many tools out there and it doesn't mean that you have to go take like five hits of acid. It doesn't mean that you have to do all these things. It means that even if you want to go if uh you read something about psychedelics or LSD, and then it gives you a train of thought to think about something else, or there's something else reading in that literature that makes you want to do research about that and that can help you out. That's that's why I do it. That's why I talk about it. You know what I mean? And it all comes down to looking inward and just consciousness. And a lot of people don't have that. People don't think about consciousness. People just think about what's going on in front of them. And it's scary. Which is crazy that in a time like this, right, where basically the entire planet is screaming at us to wake the fuck up and look inward, where the collective consciousness is begging for a change, people are still resisting it. Um, and let, I want to go back in time because, okay, you mentioned Black Panther movement and hippie movement and what in two wildly different yet similar movements in the in the sense that like it is about full expression of who you are 
love me, period, at the end of the day. But there's so much talk right now about, okay, these peaceful protests and then like rioters, looters. There's a bunch of anger all associated with this. And here you are coming at me saying love, self-reflection, <laughs> consciousness. You know, you know, what came first for you? And by the way, go ahead, whatever you were going to say. Uh, I was going to say, off. you know, like we were supposed to speak. I apologize for last week that um, I was painting, like repainting my art room and that didn't have been like I was too caught up in that. Sorry, you you just actually... made up for it. You called yourself out publicly. So everyone knows why. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be last week. But honestly, it was now looking back on it, it was the best thing that could have happened because between now and then, uh, I've had a LSD experience. Me and my girlfriend and one of my good friends went and to went on a hike, and we all took some LSD. And while we're while we're during our trip, we're sitting down. And I actually looked at my friend Grace and I told her I was like, you know what? I was supposed to be on a podcast yesterday, but I'm so glad it didn't happen because right now the mindset I'm in is completely different than what I would have talked about if I had the podcast yesterday. So I feel like I would have came from a place of a lot of frustration and anger. You know what I mean? Like when I was when I was talking about these subjects, because the past month has been crazy, like nonstop. You know what I mean? And my my social media has been blowing up. Like people, I've been lost friends and things like that. But now, ever since the trip, now I'm like stepping away from the anger and like more level headed, level headed, and now just talking more from a place of peace and how can we move on? You know what I mean? And it's, well, it's it goes back to of, what, what we were saying before we started. It all happens exactly as it's supposed to, right? Yeah, exactly. So what shifted for you on the trip? And I um, understand the anger. I understand it from my perspective. I don't understand like your whole experience, but I understand why you'd be angry right now. Um, yeah, what shifted? Well, it was a few things. One, it was the most um, calm I've been in a few weeks or like pretty much a month since um, George Floyd got murdered. It was the first time that I wasn't on my phone all day. You know what I mean? Completely separated from that. And I just really just got a complete break from the whole world. I wasn't on social media the whole day. I was um, with my friends. I was in nature on a hike. The weather was good here. You know, like it was hot. And there's just a lot of things that stemmed around and it was just like the perfect day for me to just collect myself and that's that's like the best thing for psychedelics for me is just taking a step back and just like recollecting myself and resetting. So it just I think that out. like it's just so easy to get, and I I mean I've been to the UK a handful of times, um, and know that it operates in a similar way as we do here in the US, and that you're in this rat wheel. It's about work and making money and looking good and. Sometimes it takes removing yourself and literally putting yourself on another level mentally to get the medicine you need to think differently. I mean, yeah. we absorb how many bits of information every second, but only are consciously aware of 1% of them, 3% yeah. of them. So it allows us to think differently, which I think is so important right now because we cannot go on the way that we were. We have to radically yeah. think differently. Um, and so we need to be maybe going down different highways and paths <laughs> that we haven't before in our minds. And I want to switch to really digging into cops needing LSD. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to switch LSD to like love, let's say love. What, what could the S be? Um, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's love, self-reflection, and... Uh, dancing. Okay. That's, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Cops need love, self-reflection and, dancing. and dancing. Truly, That's, that's, that's honestly perfect. Okay. That's really perfect. Cause dancing that can eliminate a lot. That's just total freedom. That's expression. That's therapeutic. Um, literally for the first, I don't know, 30 days or however many people that know me were, and were following me know this every day I was posting a video of myself dancing by myself in my apartment, saying, <laughs> free my body, free my soul. Because in that moment, when you are dancing, nothing else exists and it is yeah. pure joy. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Love, self-reflection and dancing, which to me is literally like I'm talking about mental health. And I think that yeah. that's what you're talking about when you say cops need LSD. 100%. So, Okay. As a guide, just as a guide, 
when did you start talking about love and emotion and expression? And I feel like even for the purposes of this conversation, we can add, there's a, you know, intersectionality is a thing. Um, I'm going to add the layer of being a black man. And I don't know if mental health and talking about emotions is different culturally. Um, But when did you start talking about this and how was that received and why? Well, I was, so I tell you my father, I didn't have really have a father most of my life. So I was raised with my mother and I've watched my mother. I remember since I was a kid, my mother crying, wearing all black for years because of my father passed away. You know, like crying was always um, normal because I've always seen my, that's the way my mom dealt with it. You know what I mean? And in my country, in my culture, when people in the family die, everyone comes to your house for about a week or two and people come bring gifts and everything, but people all come and collectively cry and get it all out. So like, they don't want you crying. That's cool. Cause I'm Jewish. Um, and we have this thing called like sitting Shiva. So someone dies in for a week, same thing. People come, they cook for you, but it is not about emotion. It is purely about support. I mean, that's an interesting twist. Literally part of it is about the release of. Yeah. I grew up going to different people pass my mom bringing me and me and my, I have a twin brother. So my mom brings me and my brother to uh, the, the whoever's house passed. And then the kids go do their thing. And then the, the, the adults go and support, cook, bring food, everything. And then you guys collectively cry together. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to see if you weren't brought up there, you know, just seeing people cry. And, but I've always been taught to just like express myself. But growing up where I grew up in, and it was really like the hood, you know what I mean? And like guys, you weren't really taught to, to express yourself like that. And it was sort of hard, but I had a really good tight group of friends and we were like open and we talked about how we felt. Even if we were hiding it from everybody else, we talked about it within each other. So That's so a, nice that you had that. It makes a world of difference. Holy shit. Yeah, it totally does. And I had a lot of uh, women that were friends as well too, like girls that were friends. And I felt like it was a lot easier to, um, to talk with them. You know, it was a lot easier to be around them because it wasn't no block of emotions. It wasn't a, you, you can't feel this way or you can't, you talk to some, some guys you went to school with, I went to school with, you talk to them like, yeah, I really like this girl. Like, I don't want to hang out with this girl. Or it's just like, yo, why aren't you talking to all of them? You know, it's like, why don't you hang out with all these girls? Like, why are you feeling that way? Like, you're a bitch. And it's just like, I don't know. I've just never felt that way, even though I was, grew up around and surrounded by that. I just always felt like, I don't know, I was always, always criticized for wanting to be nice. You know what I mean? Because there's place, that place doesn't, doesn't want you to be nice. You know what I mean? Isn't that an be- interesting thing to be criticized for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said, okay, that place. I don't know what you're referring to. Maybe it's the area in which you grew up. Yeah. That place doesn't want you to be nice. Mm-hmm. And you said on your, it was Section 8 housing, right? Yeah. Okay. That place doesn't want you to be nice. There's a toughness, like a thick skin that you're supposed to have or something. Mm-hmm. The gang that the cops are in that you were talking about, I say gang because you use that word. I also feel that way. Um, you are definitely taught that you cannot be emotional, that to be nice is weird, looked at mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. I mean, so the similarities are w- interesting, right? Yeah. Thinking about it from that perspective. I mean, could it be something as simple as literally changing the narrative from the training of when you like get in these groups? Could it literally be that? Could that solve everything? Uh, Well, you know, like I just I feel like no matter what, when you're thrown in a situation, you have to you have to keep that thick layer on you and you have to keep that. You have to show some sort of um, hardness and some sort of toughness. So you don't break because like though uh, there's times where I act like that I was just hard and it was tough because I had to get through that that situation or I was gonna get jumped or I was gonna get beat up, you know? I was still myself, but I still learned to protect myself as well. Like it's sort of like a you learn how to survive when you're when you grow up around that. And I'm sure like I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. I do, I do. I because I, I think right now in today's world, yeah, you need it because there's plenty of people that have never had the LSD. Mm -hmm. Love, self-reflection, and they don't know. I think that 
What I'm saying is if everybody got that training from the day that they were born. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. Do we need, then do we need to have the thick hard skin? I don't think we do. I mean, have you ever been around? I'm kind of asking this rhetorically because I feel like I know the answer to this, but like, have you ever been around a big group of people from all different backgrounds, ages, races that have been on a psychedelic experience? Yeah. Is there any hate afterwards? (laughs) No. And you know, you know, what's crazy about this. Um, I talked to one of my best friends. He's like, he's one year older than me, but like, he's just always been a lot older to me, like mentally and wiser. And we've talked about how as rough as it was growing up, we're glad that we grew up that way. We're glad that not happy that we were poor, but we know how to survive. More so, if we grew up with a lot of money and that was all taken from us, we wouldn't know how to survive. You know what I mean? So, it's, in, in a way, I feel like I'm super thankful I've had nothing before and I've gotten through it. You know, I've had I had nothing when I came to the UK. I, I completely left all my client, art clientele and <laughs> had to start from the bottom. You know, like I'm used to starting all over because the, the bottom was what it was most a lot of my life. I mean, I think that what you're saying is uh, unfortunately true, right? Like there is a certain level of uh, compassion and empathy you can have, but until you've been in that situation, you can never really get it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the struggle and what it takes and have a different level of appreciation and understanding. Um, I-, I felt that way the first time I was like seriously depressed and turned 30. Um, and it was the first time where I was like, whoa, like I'm not suicidal, but I understand the feeling of, not getting how I could make it through another day like this because it fucking sucks. Uh, And then all of a sudden you get it in a different way. So hopefully, you know, we don't have to go through that again. And I wish there was a way that we could understand all this stuff without having to go through it. But sometimes (laughs) that is unfortunately the case. And I wanted, I was going to switch and ask you because you were just bringing up the UK. I'm like, why are you out there? Especially if you love your like little beach town that you grew up in anyway so much. (laughs) But before we jump to that part, I just want to go back. First of all, Okay, um, sending you a lot of love. I'm sorry about your father. I meant to say that a long time ago. Um, Thank you. you said he was murdered. Do you know, like, was it at the hands of? Uh, he was just, it was so, um, it was just bad timing. My brother, my, my father went to get me and my brother diapers late at night and he was friend on the a shop. So he went there and back then in the 90s, Oakland was one of the, um, I think now they're like probably like fourth or sixth of the murder capital in, in the States, but I think they're up there in top three in the early nineties and it was very dangerous. So someone just came and it was just a robbery gone bad. Damn. Got shot. Wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Okay. The reason I asked was not to know the details, but it was more to know how for anybody else that might be listening to this or watching us now live or listening to it later, you could have just gone down. We don't get to choose what happens to us in life. Mm -hmm. We get to choose how we respond. You could have gone down a path where you were an angry kid for the rest of your life. Oh man, totally, totally. Um, Those, those options were always there. You know what I mean? But I skated. I I was skating and I was And for Um, somebody else who might be watching this angry because maybe they had some shit, like how did you choose a different path? How do you see the joy in life still? Well, I had, um, I call him my big brother, but he was my cousin, but he was older and he he lived in the same uh, housing projects as me. Um, He was just always going down the the bad route. Um, He was going to jail. He was a drug dealer. He was, he had a lot of nice things. He always had nice cars, Um, the girls, everything, you know what I mean? But it just was, he was just around the people that I was scared of. And I don't want to be scared. You know what I mean? I don't want to be around people that I was scared of. And I don't want to be um, protected. I don't, if it meant that I'd be protected and I had to be around those people all day, it just wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? So I just always skate. Me and my friends would always skate. Um, eventually my mentor, which I call you him. mean like, like skateboard? Yeah, yeah. So I'd call my my pops, the close person I had to a father, he's, I call him my pops, his name is JP. Um, he helped build the skate park in my town. And that skate park literally changed everyone's life in the hood. Like 
that was everybody's place to go and was able to like get away from the hood and be able to do what they wanted to skate. You know what I mean? We met a lot of people like you, that's where you go and you, you start hanging out with white kids. You know what I mean? We was just in colored people like in these projects and you go there and these white kids and you eventually become friends with them. And then it's just like, oh, they have, it's just like a mix now. You know what I mean? That was the place where things mixed. Whoa. You know? Because then, the only thing that mattered was skating. Exactly. Skating. That, that was it. It was just, oh, you skate. And there was a lot of tension there. You know, people were fighting. I've seen like a lot of people fighting. I've seen somebody smoke weed for the first time out of a bong there. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was crazy. But... You saw someone do that. Like... <laughs> it was, I, I loved it though. The skate park like and basketball, you know, like really, really got me towards that direction of um, finding my crew. What is this about particular activities that all of a sudden it doesn't fucking matter who you are as long as you're good and you have a heart and you want to put your blood, sweat, and tears on the line. Great. Yeah, Show up. That's, that's all of a sudden, really problems go away. Why? That's, that's why I really believe in uh, after-school programs and um, art, you know what I mean, and sports and things like that because that's what brings people together. And it's just like eventually you're on play sports, you're on the same team, you have to work with each other, and it doesn't matter what color that person is or if that person is um, gay or that person – queer or anything like that it just matters that you guys have to win that game because you guys are on the same team you know what i mean absolutely and i'm just like why can we be that way on the field but with a second that we get into a boardroom meeting no fuck you yeah and it, and it wasn't it wasn't always perfect too when you were because like you have the best game or you have you skating all day with people and then you go back outside the skate park and is back like that person is like still trying to like message you or something you know what why I mean? so, why like, how does that happen like why does I it go away and of, how do we perpetuate it further because it's beautiful like i want that more yeah. i think it's because um when you're in that world it's just like you're just in that world together everybody you know what i mean but when you have to go back into like home into being defensive and having to protect yourself it's, it's, um, there's nothing that can stop you from protecting like your family or like your friends or having to like either you jump him or you get jumped. You know what I mean? One of those situations. Oh yeah. It's just, it is just so weird how the same two people in a skate park can be best friends at the second they leave and they go back on their own block back home, their worst enemies. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. I, I don't get that. So, okay. Before we switch to kind of talking about the UK and more of like what you're currently up to and messaging, I'm just like curious in your time in the US and thinking about what we're all going through now. What do you think could make the biggest, like what do you think that, that, I mean, you've been an activist. For, it's, this is not your first rodeo. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, I mean, I hope people are really, this is not new, right? It's just getting published more. Yeah. I'm just more aware of it. What's your message? Why do you do it? What do you want people to know? Um, well, it's, I just feel like there's just, as simple as it is, I just want some things to be equal. You know what I mean? I don't think things are ever going to be perfect, you know? And I think it's actually impossible for things to be perfect. I just want there to be um, equality. You know, like if there's going to be one person doing the same crime as another person, let them get the same sentence. You know what I mean? Don't let them get a different sentence because he's black. You know, there's a lot of people who are getting um, harsher sentences than white people who murder people. Someone get caught with a gun gets like life. Someone, a white person murders somebody and they get like, you know, like five years or something like that and get half time for that and get out in three years. All I want is really what I'm fighting for is equality. I don't want everyone to just, I don't want the world to just completely switch. I want there to be growth. I want it to take time, you know? And at the end of the day, I just want people to be comfortable, safe, and just comfortable and safe is like one of the best feelings in the world. You know what I mean? Like you could be yourself and you don't have to worry about anybody else. You know, and if that means that people have to be in their own countries or people 
want to stay in their country and not get kicked out by another person, like let that be. If someone wants to go to another country, let that be as well. Because they're having a big problem here too, where they don't want people from other countries, like like Brexit and all the other things. They don't want people coming into this country. Well, those people, same people, are the ones who built this country. You know, like let the people come in here. Let the people like build the culture here. This whole country is built. Their whole culture. Like I never knew how big of the Asian community was big in in the UK. There's such a big influence here. There's such a big Caribbean influence here. I never knew that until I started coming to Europe a few years ago. And it's like my friend. He was telling me he's um his grandpa came here in '48 or something from Jamaica, and uh, he told me a few years ago that um, the government sent him a letter to try to escort him back to um, Jamaica. And he came here in 48, and, but he already passed a few years ago. But they sent him a letter when he was already passed trying to tell him to go back to Jamaica. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Oh my God, there are layers of fucked up in this of that. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, but that's the thing. When you remind, like, this is not an American issue. This is a global issue of us all. I mean, and you're from Eritrea or your family is at least like, yeah. and there's still war going on. Like, so you say, I want equality. Like, why is that so fucking hard? Yeah. It's, what is it? What is it with, is it, do you think that it really is human nature? Is it something within us to want to be better than? Yeah. I mean, if you look back into uh, the days of, of Egyptian like mythology, there's been slaves then as well. And even before that, well, I don't know, I've, I'm like studied a lot of uh, ufology, but you know, when the Anunnaki came here, they enslaved humans, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I think it's just always gonna be a matter of power. Even with animals, there's the same thing, but it doesn't have to be as aggressive as colonization and genocide. You know what I mean? It doesn't even have to happen. And a lot of people say, I've seen somebody on Facebook say, well, shouldn't they be happy that they're in America now? Shouldn't they be happy that they're in the UK now? Like, if that didn't happen, this, like, first off, like, we'd be happy being in our own countries and we would come here voluntarily. You know, like, why, why can't we come here voluntarily? Why should we be happy that our ancestors went through this? God, what a fucking ignorant statement. Also, my God. Um, I, the whole, like, I mean, at the end of the day, though, we are animals. I think it's mm-hmm. like, I, I forget that too. And I'm definitely of the mindset of like, love all, but like Darwinism, survival of the fittest. I mean, are we ever really going to all be equal? And should we? I mean, there is something to be said about the food, like the the chain. I mean, but but can it just be based on purely like, are you the fittest? Like, are you really like, and not based on the opportunities that you're provided just because you happen to have white skin or black skin? Yeah, well, if there if there was ever peace, it wouldn't last that long because someone would be like, oh, these people are cool. Well, I can just cause madness and I can control these people. You know what I mean? It'll it's it's hard it's hard to say. So I just would really stick with being safe and comfortable. You know, safe and comfortable. It's it's wild because I spent like um six weeks in Nepal a couple like four years oh, ago, nice. and um it is unbelievable the like love and joy that people have with nothing, and it really mm-hmm. is. It's like as long as I have a roof over my head, I'm safe and comfortable, and I have a little bit of love of my family around me. Like I'm good. Um, and there's really not much more that we need in life other than being safe and having our basic needs met. Like that's it. Um, yeah, that's, I learned that when I was uh, in Eritrea, like people there would have absolutely nothing, but they'd share their last with me. And I'd come back home and it'd be really hard because we'd have literally everything and people would, if they wouldn't give you anything, they wouldn't, if you didn't have your wallet on you or something, they wouldn't just buy it for you, even though you can give it to them when you guys go back to the house or, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's a lot of walls in like the Western world. Well, there's this, this mentality of every man for themselves, mm-hmm. every man for themselves, literally not every person. And it's like, it just shouldn't be that way. It doesn't have to be yeah. that way at all. And the problem is like, unless you get out of America to see that you don't know that it really could exist or what that really looks or feels like. So Okay, I want to kind of switch gears a lot because you brought up the what did you call it? Ufology, UFOlogy. How do you say uh, it properly? Ufology. 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 Yeah. I mean, this is what I think it is, right? Like UFO yeah. stuff. Okay. 
I love this topic and conversation. Um, personally, on a separate note, I'm like, is there any way I could tie it into this discussion about racism and race? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I'm trying to like somehow tie it in. Does it? Have you thought uh, about no, it? I mean, um, not really, other than uh, we're treated like we're aliens, <laughs> like we're like completely different people. But no, alien ufology, how I got into that, I've just always been into like um, things that weren't normal, you know what I mean? In other places. And I just, I really, really believe that there's many other planets and many other beings. And when oh, I, I was do. really, when I first started studying this, uh, I found MUFON.com and it's the Mutual UFO Network. And you can do a, um, a set of studies and a set of tests and you can be a certified ufologist. So um, I did that and I studied for a long time and I did it and I soon wanted to be a, um, a field field investigator, which where they sort of give you like your own district. You have to go to Arizona and you go through like a training. So if there was ever anything to happen in your area, um, you'd go and investigate it, you know, but, but when it comes, when it comes to this, like studying conspiracy theories and um, the men in black, when it comes to, um, all these things when you really get into it, reptilians and all that you're really like it's hard it's hard to stick with it and it's hard to have live a normal life and it's it's hard not to be mad and it's hard to question not to question everything you know i mean it sort of drives you mad so i just had to completely separate myself from it in um 2018 i just completely well stopped. i get that i mean there is something to be said about ignorance is bliss and it is once you start getting once you like Pringles, once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. Um, and you really can get sucked down some crazy rabbit holes. But I mean, it, it, I mean, it really goes back to the whole cops need LSD thing and like love, self-reflection and dancing. I mean, when you get the fact that like, okay, there are more grains of sand on this planet, excuse me, there are more galaxies in the universe than there are grains of sand on this planet. And that there could be all these other things and really we're just a speck of fucking dust at the end of the day. Then you can yeah. laugh a little bit and relax and just enjoy and have fun and let people live their life. Yeah, totally. All we are, we're just stardust. That's all, this whole planet and us, we're just stardust, you know? And I, when I was, uh, I did my own research. I didn't just watch YouTube videos and and listen to podcasts and just just take those words like, I try to connect things, try to connect different stories, try and connect different um, information about certain beings. And a lot of it is true. There's like real, real aliens that are already walk among us. You know what I mean? There's already reptilians on this planet. There's um, peaceful aliens. There's, um, there's so many peaceful alien races in, in our galaxy, so many of them. And those give me so much hope. And I love learning about them. Like those are my favorite ones. The Pleiadians come from the Pleiadian galaxy. Those, the tall Nordics, those are beautiful, beautiful aliens. You know what I mean? And they're here to help humanity. And a lot of people wonder why, why do they come here? Why do they give a fuck? Well, it's because we're in a galactic community. You know, Earth so, gonna, okay, so what now then? What's the message? Like, what what the hell are we supposed to be doing? Why is this happening? Do you know? Have you any theory? No, I don't know why. But what I, what my my whole theory is uh, why aliens really care and give a fuck is because if we're in a galactic community, if my house got on fire, then it's capable of the house next door to us getting on fire as well. You know what I mean? Meaning so, Earth. Earth, yeah. So Whoa, yeah, for sure. Like other planets as well. So, I just feel like. When it comes to aliens, people have all these theories and there's evil ones, but they're just like us. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Just beings. Mm -hmm. Just beings. Okay. So <laughs> we're talking about, I, I don't think it's far out shit. I actually like think that this is some of the most like, I mean, this is the kind of stuff I wish we could talk about all day. Every these conversations day. are needed. Uh, yeah, they are. But, but I say out there because there are people that like, haven't studied this okay and i think i've studied not even close to what you've studied clearly but people who've never studied anything about aliens anything about the galaxy anything about self-love and introspe introspection and consciousness and especially as it relates to race and racism 
where where should where would you recommend someone start right now? Podcasts. Um, first, um, listening to Jay Valentine podcast on <laughs> on Apple Music. Uh, she has. I love listening to people talk about um, talk about like facts and information, but I also really love hearing firsthand experiences with people people who are interviewed on the podcast and tell their story. And there's a lot of things that are, you can connect yourself, a lot of things that people go through that are the same. And you're like, how's this one person from this country in a small town has the same exact experience from somebody in Iran? You know what I mean? Same exact experience, same exact timeline, everything. You know, so go to Jay Valentine and on, uh, on Apple Music for the podcast and, ah, oh, man, Feel so bad in not uh, remembering this. This is uh, uh, just ma- the name is the UFO show, but I'm not, I forgot who it was that ran it. And uh, they just have interviews, and the interviews are the best way to get firsthand details. You know, what I mean, firsthand stories because I don't really like just like listen to somebody talk for like a long time about it. Oh, and Jordan Maxwell, please look up Jordan Maxwell. If I can send you guys a link um, that you guys can put in the sh- in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. We can yeah, it's a three-hour interview with him. He's just sitting on the couch, but he's on this um, YouTube channel called Project Camelot, and I hope some people know about Project Camelot. But if you go on their on their YouTube, there's just tons of videos of whistleblowers, um, secret soldiers who were trained since they were kids, who fought secret wars all over the world, who are telling their story. Um, yeah, just go on Project Camelot and that will blow your mind. Okay. Be careful, but be careful. <laughs> what about art? We haven't really, we, we talked about, you know, kind of the LSD and drugs as a gateway to kind of get to this self-reflection. Um, we talked a little bit about aliens um, and other forms of life, but what about art? Which by the way, like me personally, I think that art is, anything can be art if you decide it and you add a little creativity to it. Um, but what, yeah. what do you think? And like, where does art come in to all of this for you? Uh, well, I've, just, I've been doing art all of my life in some form of way, you know, even skating as uh, an art, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I really started uh, in like 2006, I got into graffiti and it was, uh, it was just unreal to just, you know, the graffiti taught me that more than anything school or whatever teacher taught me that if you stick with one thing, you'll get good at it. And that's what graffiti taught me. You know, after high school, I went to community college and I hated it. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to school and learn English and math. I just wanted to go to art school and I couldn't afford art school. So I had to go to a community college where I had to take these courses, but have one, just one art class. So I take all these classes just so I can go enjoy my art class. And I hated it. So in the summer of um, 2009, luckily one of the graffiti crews I was, I was in, the um, leader of it, was working for the city of Oakland painting murals. Got me a job there. I was painting murals for the city of Oakland for the whole summer. And then- What a cool job. Yeah, it was amazing. And towards the end, I was just uh, like really bummed out. Like I'm this is about to end in like a month and I have to go, uh, I have to go to, back to the community college which I hated and then I got I went to jail for graffiti I got arrested one night went to jail and I was sitting there only had to do like a on the Saturday night and Saturday or Sunday and if you get arrested on the weekend like you can't see the judge until Wednesday so I was in until Wednesday so I it's not crazy like, how you can get paid to do it by the city on the one hand and arrested for it on the other yeah, yeah it was it was crazy and while I was in there, I was like, I do not want to go. I do not want to go to college. I don't care. I don't want to do this. I want to go to art school. I can't. So I'm just going to do it myself. You know what I mean? So going back to the skate park days, the guy who built it, JP, he has an art studio called Political Gridlock. He's been making political art since 84. Uh, and as um, soon as I got out, I hit him up. I seen him at an art show like about earlier that summer and he remembered me from when I was a kid and uh, I was like can I come just like try and make some art and I came and I've never left since and uh, he's he's the closest thing I have to a father he's uh, my mentor um, yeah he's he, he turned me from a graffiti artist into uh, like a, a painter and artist that I am today he taught me how to screen print 
Oh my God, that's so cool. Yes, amazing. And he's white. He's, he's an older white man. He's 55 now. You I know love, I mean? I mean, if my stepdad were watching, he's an artist. I mean, it just is like such a beautiful way to express and bring people together and get understanding. I mean, political art is huge. I mean, in a yeah. thousand ways, it could be used for good or bad propaganda, but damn. I mean, so is that what brought you to the UK? Was it your art? Was it hit? Like, what are you no, doing actually, out there? So in 2016, I was living in the SIG loft in Oakland. Um, my job, I hated it. I worked for a clothing warehouse, online clothing warehouse in near the San Francisco airport. So I'd make a, um, I'd take a, like a 20 minute bus ride to downtown Oakland. From there, I'd catch an hour long train ride. Then I have to skate from the train station to my job. And then that was literally like the commute was like about three hours every day total. And I'd work there for eight hours, then I'd skate back to the to the station and then get on. Go the to sleep and get up and do it again. And then go and do all that. And I just hated Jesus. my job. And I'd just be partying on the weekends and I just hated it. And at the end of the summer, my friend's um clothing store, like a vintage shop, was closing. And then um it was a block party, and then all of a sudden people started shooting inside the, uh, the the gallery and on the street and then at the end of this at the end of the street seeing a bunch of people like crowd around somebody and it was somebody that i knew he wasn't like a close friend of mine but he was somebody i knew you know what i mean for a few years um he was on the floor bleeding out and just died in front of all his friends so at that point it just messed me up like i just i was like yo i can't i'm about to be 30 you know what i mean i was i think 26 at that time and uh, I was like, yo, I hate, I hate being out here. Like, I hate having to worry about this. One of my best friends. So, you know, when it's morning in California, it's nighttime here. So I'd be on the train ride every day, hating my job, watching my bet, one of my best friends I grew up with um, on Snapchat. And he'd be in Ibiza just partying while I'm on the way to the worst job that I hate. You know what I mean? And feeling all these emotions from what just happened with, my, with the dude I know who died. So I messaged him one day and I was like, yo, next year I'm going out there with or without you. So he came back a few months later in October. I moved out of my house, moved back to my mom's house. And I was like, I'm saving up. I'm coming there for the summer. Like, I need this. So it happened. Went to Ibiza, came there for, um, he was with me for two weeks and he left. And I was just like, damn, like, he was my safe place. You know, I didn't really have, I didn't really have anyone. And I called my ex at the time and. I thought she was gonna feel sympathy for me because I I just I was like I need to just go home I don't know anybody here like um I'm used to being around people I know all my life um she just told me to quit being a bitch like you know what I mean like you're in your comfort zone most of your life now you're in another place you need to go make friends ever since that conversation I went out my way to talk to people and literally made the best of friends and now I have a completely different life from that moment on and I spent the the past three three years in Ibiza between june and october and that's when i met my girlfriend the first summer there we we're just pretty much just friends um but she'd come that summer and then 2018 summer she came and then we we're still like really good friends and then this past summer she came and uh we got really close started dating and then after the summer it was like i, like, I don't want to go home so i went home for like a few weeks came out here and now we have like a house in nottingham Cute. I love it. And now you're in the UK. Yeah. I mean, as a solo traveler, I know that feeling of being alone and you're like, mm -hmm. fuck, and talk about being isolated and confronted with all of your own shit. I mean, yeah. gosh, there was one thing I learned from traveling is like that statement, wherever you go, there you are, is uh -huh. so true. Um, but also, <laughs> and I know you, you, you had those calls with people, right? Oh my like God. Yeah. With, <laughs> with Harry. From Colombia, I remember calling and being like, I'm miserable. Anyway, um, when you're supposed to be living the dream, right? All yeah. of that too. But you've also had the experience of meeting complete strangers and seeing mm -hmm. the beauty in the world yeah. of how people can actually just show up and open up and and, yeah. and love. So yeah, I mean, it is a mind fuck because on the one hand, you have those experiences where people are out of nowhere for no reason just going to come blow and sh blow up and, and shoot up a place for what and then a, a, another experience where 
I'm like, oh, I just met you, but come to my house. I'm going to cook you dinner. You can sleep over. Like, mm-hmm. how the fuck do we bridge the gap? Like, how do we? Yeah, it was, that was, as, as, I'm, I'm so sorry for um, the kid's family and what happened to him. It changed a lot of people's life. Like, that was supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Because if that didn't happen, a lot of people wouldn't have um, changed their lives. A lot of people changed after that. You know? What did we say in the beginning? Multiple times throughout this conversation, all happens as it's supposed to. Like, it doesn't mean that it's how we wanted it to happen, Mm -hmm. even looking back, but it happened as it's supposed to. So, damn. I mean, okay. So, as somebody who has been, you know, working, doing the work, advocacy work, putting, doing the good fight and trying to spread messages of love, um, to people for a long time. How do you, what would you like to say to wrap this up on the record? And and specific to the largest civil rights movement in history, like you can either maybe leave a message of, of action that you would like to see people take or a message of how to communicate with each other, questions that people should be asking, what should we be thinking about? I'm giving you a lot of options, Kate. Um, and you can go down a couple roads if you want, but it's your time. I want to listen to yeah, you. Yeah, I'll keep it simple. Um, do your research. Um, love, man. Like Love is like one of the biggest. Have compassion. Compassion is the single most important thing we can do as humans. You know, is just be a compassionate person. Like feel for somebody. Like help somebody out. Um, think about it like it could be like a family member or a friend. A lot of people are just too self-centered and think of like, well, it's not happening to me. And I, I find myself doing that as well. I feel like everyone does that, you know, like there's a lot of things you do differently if it happened to your family member or if it happened to you, you know, but sometimes you just need to do that extra much and and make people uncomfortable. You know, there's, um, I have a lot of Palestinian friends, you know, like, and I have a lot of uh, friends who are uh, Jewish as well. You know, sometimes like there's that, there's that, um, that line in the middle, like, well, you know, I have to say both sides. I'm not going to just say one side. There's a lot of things going on on both sides. You know what I mean? And you have to put yourself in both situations and really think about it. And it's hard and it's really hard because people could stop being friends with you. People could be like, fuck off. And just, you could say everything that's perfectly right. But one thing you disagree on, people will just throw away everything that you ever stood for, you know? And it, and, and it's really hard to disagree with your family. And it's really hard to let your friends down. But at the end of the day, just come from a place of love and honesty. And that's that's like the perfect way to get through it. I think when you come from a, a place of love and pure good intentions like that, even if it's hard or uncomfortable, it, you, I don't feel like you're going to leave with enemies when mm-hmm. that is the tone and the message that you're coming from the whole time. Doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, it, it's hard, especially because there's a lot of people who sometimes I just want to say, fuck love. Like, I don't care. This is how I feel. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. And that's, that's one of the worst things you could do is just react off of emotions because that's how people end up in jail. That's how people, you know, end up dead. That's how people <laughs> end up losing a partner. And just, like, be careful. Like, take that step back. Take, yeah, take the, take the minute to, think to breathe. It. Think yeah, it through maybe like take that day to respond to somebody because like that one reaction because like even people have when that that photo went viral there were so many people who had positive things to say but some people who had negative things to say and it's i just had to like completely stop reading what people said you know what i mean like i had to just focus on the positive part about it because it was so much more positive but even that little bit of negativeness like spoiled spoiled me you know like it, it really fucked me up but I had to go back and just go to the people who was just coming at me for love. A lot of people who had the good things to say. And I just hold on to that. I think that's what everybody else should be doing. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Um, I think that if I could wrap up some of the messages is, first of all, we're not the only people here. Beings, yeah. we're not the only yeah. beings here, so treat it with respect and love and openness. I think, mm-hmm. um, and 
shit might happen in your life. Remember the people in your life that support you. That's yep. certainly what you did when you needed it the most. <laughs> get creative. Um, yeah. Get creative. Ask questions and come at anything and everything that you do from a space of love. And yeah. by the way, feel, cry, get yeah, angry, exactly. feel the feels, but take a step back and don't take action necessarily based on those feelings. Feel mm -hmm. them, get clear, then take action. Yeah, um, exactly. When uh, I always said when, when you're really happy, people don't tell you not to show your happiness. So if you feel like you need to cry, let that out as well. I love it. You're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. You. Thank you so much as well. Um, the last thing is I want to give you an opportunity to plug your podcast or your art page. Where can people find okay. you? How can yeah, they my, support you? My personal Instagram is uh, Rebel Stillskin. It's R-E-B-E-L-S-T-I-L-S-K-I-N. We'll put links to everything too. Yeah, so I appreciate my, you spelling it out, but we'll put links yeah. to everything so people don't have to remember. <laughs> And my art Instagram is uh, Golden Pyramids TV. I'm actually going to post something in about 30 minutes, my latest painting. Um, GoldenPyramidsTV.com, my website. I'm actually like used as a platform to host people if you ever want to tell a story or if you have a, a dream or anything that's ever happened that you want to share your experience, psychedelic experiences, anything, I give an open platform. And um, GoldenPyramidsTV.BigCartel.com to get a copy of the LSD t-shirt amazing love it harry and i want to buy one we were talking about it um okay you're fabulous we're gonna wrap it up i hope everybody has a great day thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one world your story podcast if you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more make sure you subscribe to us on itunes and youtube and of course follow us on instagram at one world your story from all of us here at the One World Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.